0: Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Friends, we're approaching the two-year anniversary of the Rural Woman Podcast, and I want to celebrate by hosting a giveaway. You can win a Rural Woman prize pack with podcast gear and some other great goodies. To enter, all you have to do is take a screenshot of the episode that you're listening to right now and share it on your social media. Be sure to tag me at Wildrose Farmer and use the hashtag The Rural Woman Podcast. That's it. It's that easy. Contest is open from now until March 22nd, 2021. For more details, including what's included in the prize pack, head to today's show notes. Happy listening and good luck to you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Royal Woman Podcast. Today, you will be reintroduced to my good friend, Bev Ross. Bev is a joy farmer and the co-host of the Drink and Farm podcast. She moved her family from the desert suburbs of Phoenix, Arizona to rural Ohio to start her farming dream. There she's raising a variety of animals, from donkeys to ducks and is growing fresh food to feed her family. Today we talk all about Bev's journey of finding joy in becoming a farmer, and she is sharing her words of wisdom and advice for gardening. I'm so excited that I was able to reconnect with Bev here on the Rural Woman podcast. She and I have been good friends on the gram for some time now, and I got the inspiration of this episode from one of her episodes that she did with her co-host Sam on the Drink and Farm podcast, all about starting your garden and, you know, what gardening means to Bev and All of the good things that you're going to hear today on the episode. And I thought it was a great time to release this one because we are so close to the first day of spring, which I know I myself am really looking forward to. And I know there's a few of you out there also looking forward to spring and the growing season and all of the new critters that are going to be coming to your farms and ranches and Of the things, so this is an exciting episode here on the Rural Woman podcast. Before we get to the episode, I just want to highlight a couple more of the great items that are up for grabs in the second year anniversary giveaway that's happening now until March 22nd, and in continuing with the two year theme of cotton. Cotton being the gift that you give on the second anniversary. We have a great long sleeve t shirt from our friend Paige Powell of Black Bear Farm. She was on episode 26 and she has generously donated a great long sleeve tee with their farm logo on it. And as well, our friend. That's on this episode today. Bev Ross and Sam from Drink and Farm Podcast have donated a couple of great items, one being a Farm What Brings You Joy t-shirt as well as a coffee mug. So we got lots of great stuff. Lots of great things for you guys to win on the second year giveaway. So make sure you guys take a screenshot of what you're listening to right now and post it up on the socials. You can tag me at Wild Rose Farmer and use the hashtag The Rural Woman Podcast and make sure you tag Paige and the Drinking Farm girls too. Their handles are at Black Bear Farm and at Drink and Farm make sure you say a big thank you to these ladies for contributing some great stuff to the giveaway. Also, one other big thank you that I want to give is to our newest patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast over on Patreon, Stephanie, Hannah, and Nicole. Thank you so much for joining the gang. I hope you're enjoying all of the great perks that come along with being a patron of the show, including ad-free listening and bonus content. And the patrons of the show are actually going to get another great gift from today's guest, Bev, which you will hear all about at the end of this episode. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Bev. Oh, hey there, Bev.
1: Oh, hey there, Caitlin. (laughs)
0: I'm sorry. I just really (laughs) had to do that. And I was actually hoping you might screw up and say, hey, Sam.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, it was funny for like just a second. I almost did. Like it took my brain like I had to do like a little flip. (laughs) (laughs) Bev Ross, how are you? Oh, I am doing wonderful
0: today. What about you? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Rural Woman Podcast. I am excited to be chatting with you again here on the show.
1: Oh, and I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun. Yes.
0: We're going to talk about something that is near and dear to your heart, and it's growing on mine, and that is gardening.
1: Ah, yes. I'm so glad to hear that it's growing on your heart, because I think everybody should grow something at some point.
0: I absolutely agree. So for the listeners who may be unfamiliar with you, give us a brief overview of who you are, where you're from and what you do.
1: So, uh I live in southern Ohio and I farm on a little less than 12 acres and it's kind of like, I don't know what to call it. I think, so I kind of started this joy farmer movement because I wanted to farm for joy and not necessarily for anything else while I figured out what exactly what I wanted to do with this space. So I basically have like a joy farm that just has chickens and donkeys and a cow, a mini cow that's literally just for fun. He, he can't be used for anything else. <laughs> and we have goats and ducks. I think I already mentioned the chickens and I have a giant garden and a greenhouse that has been kind of a work in progress over the last four years since we've been here. It'll be four years in June, so it hasn't quite been four years, but started my gardening journey while we still lived in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where we moved here from. And so I've been gardening kind of on and off and learning how to garden and figure out what works best for me for... Probably about eight years now, if I had to guess. I haven't written it down. So it's something like that.
0: That's long enough to figure out a garden. And I'm sure it's a lifelong learning process, anyways.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it totally is. Because, you know, one of the things about gardening is you can read all the books and listen to all the podcasts and read all the blogs and take all of the advice that everybody gives you. But the truth is, your brain is wired to recognize patterns and learn from actually doing things. So if you really want to find success in the garden, the best way to do it is just to dive in and mess up a whole bunch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And especially on the messing up part. Like, I'm really good at that.
1: (laughs) I'm really good at that, too. And in fact, I host, I co-host a whole podcast that's basically all about the mistakes that we make.
0: (laughs) Yes, heck yes, you do. And I was just going to say, if you guys want to learn more about Bev and her dear friend, Sam, they are the hosts and creator of the Drink and Farm podcast, which is amazing. It's a farm comedy podcast. You can learn all about it. They were on episode, I just looked back, episode 24 of the Rural Woman podcast. And oh, my I, gosh. Yeah, that was so long ago. It was so long ago.
1: <laughs> it
0: was. <laughs> so you guys can head back to episode 24 and learn more about Bev and Sam and their respective farms. And I was on the Drink and Farm podcast at one point as well. We did the the little co-episode. So that was really fun.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. And oh, my gosh, I should know what episode number that is so that I can reference it. But I do not. But I will send you the link to it so you can link to it in the show notes.
0: (laughs) We'll put it all in there. (laughs) I was just so excited to talk about gardening. I didn't even look it up either. So...
1: Yeah, we're at like 150-ish episodes now. So I just like cannot remember all of the numbers anymore at this yes. point. <laughs> yeah, there's so many good ones. And we're specifically going to reference
0: episode 145 of the Drink and Farm podcast during this podcast. And it was actually the whole idea of why I wanted to come and get you back on the show, because I really admire and respect your your vision and your joy farm and all of the things and your attitude towards growing food. So talk to me more about, you know, getting into gardening and why it was important to you and maybe some tips that you have for people who want to get into gardening.
1: Well, when I first started gardening, it wasn't always for joy. My initial jump into gardening was actually out of fear I had kind of stumbled into a few experiences that kind of made me, like, question uh, the safety of things and, like, whether or not, you know, everything that I was buying and eating was actually good for us or healthy or was it making us sick. And it kind of turned into, like, this little rabbit hole where I got this idea in my head that I really wanted to, like, grow and create, like, all of our food. And when I say all of it, like I really do mean all of it. That was like where my brain space started at when we first moved here. And um, some of that is from, um, so my daughter, she is diagnosed with ADHD. And there are a lot of people out there that will link ADHD to diets. And, you know, they tell you that you can do all of these things and and cure your your child of ADHD. And, and for us, um, we tried that as best as we could. And it turned out that that was just not the case for us. So, you know, we're here and we've already started growing food and I'm, you know, like sitting down and trying to figure out like, well, you know, if this isn't for, you know, this purpose, then do I still even want to do this? And I discovered while I was like learning and growing as a gardener and spending more time with my animals here and, you know, just being somewhere quieter where I felt like I just had more control over the things that I did with my time. I realized that I really just loved doing it. And I wanted to let other people know that you can do this just because you love it. It doesn't have to have like a, a higher purpose, I guess, for lack of a better word. And so that was when I kind of like made the shift from, well, I have to grow all of this food and I have to can all of this food and I have to save all of this food because what I'm buying at the store, is isn't safe. That's just like, that's just simply not true. A lot of that food is the exact same food that I pull out of my garden. But I have a relationship with the food that I pull out of my garden because I started it like from the beginning and that became kind of a really beautiful thing to me. So that was... Like, and I just recently made that shift. I'm thinking like in the last year or two. (laughs) So it's still kind of fresh. But now I just feel like I have so much more freedom to experience it and make more mistakes without feeling, you know, awful. Because that's one of the things that happens to me when I do things out of fear, when I make a mistake during that time, then it becomes like an emergency when it's really not. It's just an emergency in my head. Does that make any sense? Absolutely.
0: 100% makes sense. And I feel very similar to you in making mistakes and then that fear of panic and the overwhelm that comes to you. And I think a lot of people probably felt these same feelings in the year 2020 when gardening became the new hobby for people because, you know, They were afraid there was no food in the store, so they wanted to grow their own. And I think there's a lot of people that have continued this journey into gardening, even into 2021, they found solace in growing the food. And then there's obviously the people who fell by the wayside. And you know, I I can respect them because before the year 2020, my gardening skills were a little lackluster, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So I <laughs> I I really like I said, I really enjoy and respect the journey that you've had to get to this point. And having a joy farm and a joy garden to me just like is one of the greatest things. And I'm I'm so happy that you've gotten to this place and a place where you do find joy in the solitude of growing your own food.
1: Oh, yeah. And you know, one of the things that's been really great about doing it because I love it is I've branched out to trying to grow other things instead of just food. Because like when I first started, I thought, well, everything has to have a purpose. Otherwise, why am I doing it? Because, you know, I'm limited on time. I'm limited on resources. I can only grow so many things. So everything has to have a reason. And then I discovered a local greenhouse here that had some flowers. And I thought, well, you know, I can spend a little time putting some flowers in pots because, you know, that'll look really pretty on the porch. And, you know, that's kind of what people do here. When I lived in Arizona, we didn't have like hanging baskets of flowers or things on the porch because they would just scorch in the sun. (laughs) They would probably light fire. (laughs) So uh, I started with just like a handful of flowers and I realized how much I loved doing that. And so this year, I think I've actually ordered just as many flower seeds as I did vegetable seeds because I really want to branch into growing flowers for in front of the chicken coop and growing the flowers that I put in my basket because I can buy those from the local greenhouse. But like I said, I feel like I have a connection with things that I kind of like took, you know, from seed and created the whole thing uh, start to finish myself. It feels really special. And I feel kind of a pride in that also. It's like I took the time and and I did this and it's not necessarily that I just took the time and I did this I told myself that I wanted to do this and that this was important to me and I followed through with it so it becomes like a fulfilled promise to myself which just you know kind of internally feels really great so Today, I'm actually, after we're done talking, I'll be starting some flower seeds as one of the things that I'm working on in my garden. And I'm just really excited for those because I have tried to grow flowers before, but just kind of like haphazardly, like I just like take the seed packet and kind of like dump them in the garden and see what they do. And it doesn't turn out very well all the time (laughs) when you do that. (laughs) And so now like I've watched videos on how to like very specifically plant flower seeds and some of the flower seeds that I purchase. And so I'm, I'm trying really hard to be really intentional about finding success in those things that I want to do and the things that are important to me.
0: Totally. Totally. You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon. It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to The Rural Woman Podcast Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the World woman podcast. So we are recording this on February the 15th. My plan is for this to come out when it is the first day of spring or the first week of spring. And we're going to be so excited because it's going to be warm and lovely everywhere in the world. I can just imagine this as I'm looking out at my (laughs) snowy lawn right now. (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh. And I am currently looking at more snow than I have ever seen in my entire life.
0: (laughs) Yes. So we are looking forward to spring, both you and I. (laughs) Yes, very much so. So tell me how you decide what you're going to grow in your garden.
1: So one of the ways that I started deciding what I wanted to grow in my garden is I wanted to find things that we liked and things that we used most often in the kitchen. And this is for my vegetable garden. And the way that I did that was I actually took a look at some of our favorite like family recipes and listed out all of the fresh or vegetable ingredients that were in them. And I tried to figure out if it was something that we could grow here. Like does it grow in my zone? Can I get a hold of the seeds? Do I want to grow that thing? Do I have space for it? And I did that with several different meals and I found like a pattern to a, the type of ingredients that we really like. It turns out that like we have dozens and dozens of of recipes that we use as the family. But they all kind of repeat a lot of the same thing. So that makes it really easy. I'm like, oh, sweet. Like if I can successfully grow green peppers, I can take care of the green peppers for, you know, these five or eight recipes that that we eat as a family, which is something really cool. And so um, I added all of those things to my wish list and kind of decided if they were things, you know, that we really had the capability of growing and it turns out that a lot of them, we totally were capable of growing. And we did have to make a lot of adjustments to some recipes, like some recipes will call for canned things or frozen things, you are know, like, well, can I substitute fresh ingredients for those? Or do I have to go through the trouble of canning these or freezing them before I get to use them? And the answer is most of the time, yeah, a fresh ingredient will totally be a substitute for those recipes. So you'll be totally fine but if you wanted to save some stuff from the garden to get to use it in the winter time on these same recipes you can totally do that just you know plan ahead for how much you want to grow and then you know you can freeze all your green beans or can all your green beans or whatever it is that you want to do it turns out that me personally, I'm a freezer kind of a garden saver. I don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen canning in the summer So at that point, I think I'm just so exhausted from the gardening. I just, if I'm not going to be outside in the garden, I want to be in the hammock with a beer, <laughs> not in the kitchen. Right.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I feel you there. And I just think like, Preserving the food that you've worked so hard to produce is so important because you're not going to be able to eat like however many pounds of carrots or potatoes or whatever it was that you grew all in one shot or your green beans or whatever it is. So. I think that for me has been the biggest struggle is knowing what to do after you pull it out of the garden. So what are some of your tips for your preserving and, you know, throwing them in the freezer? Are you doing anything special to your produce before you put it away? Or is it able to just go right in the
1: freezer? So most of the produce does end up going in the freezer. That's been the easiest way for me. Uh, Some of it I blanch first, which is you just bring water to a boil And then you drop it in for just a few seconds, just enough for it to like change its color. And then you take it out and dry it off. You got to make sure that it's dry all the way. And then you can put it in your freezer bags and freeze it. One of the ways that I actually uh, freeze items is I make sure that they're totally dry, that there's no more moisture on them. And then I place them on cookie sheets spaced out. And then I slide those in the freezer and let them individually freeze on the cookie sheet. And then I can just knock them all off into a bag at once. So then when I go to like reach in for, say, like we grow a lot of blackberries here and raspberries, when I go in there to grab a handful of blackberries or raspberries, they're not all stuck together. I can just get a handful of them because they're all individually frozen. And that seems to work really well. A lot of stuff I, I'll, I'll just rinse off clean, make sure that there's nothing yucky on them and, you know dry them off with towels and then put them in the freezer. And they're totally fine. Even some vegetables where it talks about blanching them, I'll decide not to just because I just don't have a lot of time or I have so much of it. I'm like, my options are either, you know, stand here all day and blanch these things or I'll put it off until later and the stuff is going to go bad. So I've just totally straight frozen green beans and they've turned out almost exactly the same as the blanched ones. So I don't even know if I'm going to blanch my green beans next year. <laughs> save myself some time. And then one of the other things that I do is dehydrate things too, because dehydrating is really easy. You just clean it, chop it up, throw it in the dehydrator and let it do its thing. So
0: all good things. And I'm writing down notes right now because I have to be honest, I was terrible last year with the preserving of things and I tried to keep up and I just feel so bad. Like I feel bad wasting food from a grocery store, but wasting the food that you put your heart and soul into growing seems like a whole hell of a lot worse.
1: (laughs) Oh, it always just feels so bad on the inside, but don't beat yourself up too much about it because that's part of the learning process. You know, You're learning how much you can actually produce out of your garden. And for some things, it's going to be just overwhelming. Like green beans is one of those things that's totally overwhelming. And cherry tomatoes tend to also be 100% overwhelming. And then there will be other things that will struggle a little more. And you're like, well, we can't just eat green beans and cherry tomatoes. So. <laughs> but one of the ways that I take care of the waste is that's one of the reasons why we have so much livestock here is they take all of the guilt out of the stuff that ends up going bad on the counter because they can take care of it once it's past the point that I don't want to eat it anymore but I don't give them anything moldy. They don't they don't get like moldy rotten food just things that are like past their prime that nobody really wants to eat cuz we have a garden full of food overflowing at you know at that moment. So livestock will take care of a lot of it. The chickens, uh, the cow, the donkeys, the goats, they'll all eat all of that stuff, the ducks. And then the other thing that I do is I compost a lot here too, because we garden. So we built some compost bins and we throw lots of food in the compost bin. And, you know, there's actually, there's a misconception that you can't put moldy food in the compost bin, but we put moldy food out there all the time. Just bury it in a little bit of like Straw from the chicken coop or grass clippings or whatever, and it's totally fine. We haven't had any issues with that whatsoever. Well, if it heats up enough, then it's
0: going to kill bacteria in and create the compost. So I'm with you there on the moldy food in the compost. I don't, I wish I was better at emptying my compost bin in the house before it got that way, but I'll admit that I'm not.
1: I'm not either. I have a teenager in charge of that, and he always forgets.
0: <laughs> Ugh, I need one of them. I need one of them. <laughs> you have heard me tell you all about the amazing benefits that come with being a patron of the Rural Woman podcast through Patreon. But I wanted to share with you a few testimonials from the patron gang themselves. Patron Annabelle writes... I became a patron so I could enrich my knowledge of the diverse world of agriculture. Although I live and breathe farming and ranching, there is a lot I don't know. I believe learning that how and why people do things will help me improve being a better rancher myself. This podcast also helps with the feeling of isolation. I hear the voices of ladies from all walks of life living a similar life to my own. This type of outreach is not only vital for us in the business, but those wanting to learn about the people growing and raising their food. I'm well aware that podcasts take an outstanding amount of time and money to create. So I felt like I, as well as others, can make a small monthly contribution that can help make a long lasting podcast. Join Annabelle and the rest of the patron gang in supporting the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Real Women podcast starting at $2 a month over on Patreon. Visit wildrosefarmer.com Patreon to learn more. So you've mentioned that you have a greenhouse and then you have the outdoor garden as well. Tell us how you've planned out where you're putting your produce and where you're putting your flowers.
1: So I actually started, I, I feel like I kind of planned things just a little backwards, but in the end, I think that this system is going to work out really well. So I've actually planned my garden using a daily planner and it's just like a regular daily planner like you would use for work and the one that I picked out is the panda planner 2.0 and it's because it's really inexpensive it's a quarterly planner so I needed four of them so the planner is like 10 bucks and I'm like yes I can plan a whole year of gardening and garden activities you know for 40 bucks which is pretty decent and it has a lot of space in it for planning out how I'm going to do things on like a yearly level. And that sounds like a lot of detail, but the way that my brain works, I feel like it's best to start like a high level overview and then break down the steps from there. So the way that I started in my planner is there's an annual section and it has lines for you to list out, you know, like all of the things that you're going to do during each month of the year and on those lines i filled in what plants i was going to start like from seed in my greenhouse and when and i used a calendar from farmersalmanac.com it'll tell you exactly when you want to start things, if you're going to start them from seeds and then transplant, or if you're going to direct sow them based on your zone. So it's really handy. So I was able to take all those dates, I put them all down in the annual section, and then I looked at it and I was like, oh, cool. So for my garden, I want to get started on seeds in February so that they are large enough to transplant when the last frost is passed. And you know, we'll be good to go. And I can see like exactly how many things have to be started when. And it helps me like plan out when I was gonna do my big garden days, number one. And I actually took a lot of PTO days in March, because that's my biggest gardening month, or at least that's my biggest seed starting month, like by far is March. And then I can take all that information and kind of break it down by month and then, week so that I can get into like the nitty gritty of what really has to be done. So, like, I know that I want to start so many seeds in February and March. Like, what all do I need to start those seeds? Do I need to order any supplies? And, you know, and I'll plan out within my planner when I'm going to order and buy all those things, when I'm going to make sure that everything's all set up. And that helps me stay organized that I know that I'm ready to do those things when it's time to do them. Right. That is so smart
0: to be using something as easy as the Farmers Almanac website to be going through. And it tells you exactly when uh, to start your seeds and if you're direct sowing and all of the things. And I think for those who are listening now that are thinking that they want to start a garden and they're like, well, am I too late? It's already March and all of the things, depending on where your zone is, it's definitely not too late to start.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a ton of stuff that you'll be able to direct. So and, you know, I also use my planner to I, I put in the dates that things needed to be transplanted as well in there. So I could like make an arc and like see, oh, you know, I have to. Start celery on February 15th, you know, which is today. And then I also wrote down when I needed to transplant it. It doesn't get transplanted until May 4th. So I'm like, all right, I know that that thing is going to have to live in the greenhouse until that date. So then I like, you know, make a note like, all right, these seeds are going to have to live in there for a really long time. And but I know when they're going to go out. And so it helps keep me like exactly. Yeah. I have like a plan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's probably like. One of the most important things that I found with gardening and almost like therapeutic is just sitting down and looking online at the Almanac calendar or if you have any gardening books and stuff and just reading about gardening while it's really cold outside. I think that's probably something that's helped me get through this winter (laughs) is uh, sitting at home in the snow and cold and not being able to go on vacation, but I get to plan my garden. So that's kind of my saving grace.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And one of the other things too that you can do inside your planner is the back pages are all dot grid pages. So I actually drew every single one of my garden beds out to scale and I planned exactly where each of plants are going to go inside my garden so that I know how many of each thing I need to start in the greenhouse ahead of time. So it kind of became, I think it, in the end, it's kind of become a little bigger than I thought it was going to be, but every detail is really planned out nicely so that I can fall back on it if I like fall off the rails or forget to do something. I don't have to like think through all of the steps that I've already done or what I'm missing. Like I can flip to my pages and can be like, Oh, well, I planned for spinach to go there. Is it too late for me to plant? spinach now in this space oh it's not okay sweet awesome I can still like get back onto that plan and we're going to be good just everything's going to be harvested a little later than I had planned on it but it it's it's good to to plan out what what it is that you want to put where because then you can stop yourself from starting a more seeds than you can actually fit in your garden (laughs) because I think that happens to a lot of people (laughs) <laughs> but also, you can make sure that you left space for everything that you really, really want to have because that can happen too. You know, you get really excited in March or April and uh, you plant all of the cold, hardy vegetables, and then it becomes time to trans peppers and tomatoes. And you're like, oh, shoot, I ran out of room. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I,
0: I definitely did that last year. And I actually bought a few things that. We're already started from a greenhouse and that's also a great way if you're just getting into gardening and something that I suggest, just go and buy the starts because if this is so overwhelming to you that you're like, I have to start these things in February and March and whatever. If you go to your local greenhouse in the spring, they have already done a lot of this work for you. So, (laughs) oh yeah, that can be something that's overwhelming but last year I bought a few starts and one of them was uh, spaghetti squash and I had never grown squash before and last year I just had some small garden boxes And I called it the spaghetti squash monster because it was actually squashing everything that was around it. So
1: (laughs) planning out
0: where you're going to put things is super important.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love that. And yes, absolutely. Pick up transplants of like the seed starting thing feels like it's overwhelming or feels like it might be too late. You can still start a planner and you can be like, all right, so I don't want to start seeds, but when is the ideal date to transplant these things that I've decided that I want to put in my garden? Because they're things that I love to eat. You can start there and then get your feet wet into gardening that way. And also, you know, seed starting can be kind of tricky. So if you're really new and, you know, you want to make sure that you have some success this year, uh, starting a few things from transplants will absolutely help you get there because the greenhouse knows how to grow big, healthy seedlings. Like they've got this, they've been doing this for years. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I'm just thinking of the, greenhouses that
0: are local to me and I just love going in there and picking their brain and have them like give me all of their expertise of where you should put this in your garden and, you know, how much sunlight it needs and all of that kind of stuff. Because those things are important to you when you're growing anything outside.
1: Oh, yeah. You definitely want to make sure that you, I like to call it planting good neighbors together because some plants will work together to help like eradicate pest cycles or help give boosts to other plants around them. And so when you're planning your garden, that's another thing you can do is you can look out for those relationships between plants that you know that you want to have, you're like, oh, well, I love nasturtia because they're beautiful. They're like these these really beautiful little flowers, but the flowers and the leaves are edible. So not only do you get like a piece of beauty in your garden, but it's also something really wonderful to like throw onto salads or, you know, any meals that you want to dress up and make look fancy, but they're great for repelling pests. So you're like, sweet, I can you know, smash all of these nasturtiums in between, you know, all of these other plants that I want to keep pests away from. And then they're doing dual purpose. Right. And
0: like, it's so fascinating to me about how these plants can benefit one another and all of the goodness that can come with them and the insects that they bring, whether they're good or they're bad, and kind of navigating through that. So I just think growing food and growing plants is just. So cool. And I can honestly sit here and say, like, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, if this is what would uh, be something that I'm excited about, I definitely would have said no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think 10 years ago, I'd have been like, hmm, maybe I'm kind of thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I
0: don't even think I could keep a house plant alive 10 years ago, let alone (laughs) grow food to eat. So (laughs) Oh, Feb, it has been so lovely chatting with you today. And I am just, like I've said over and over and over again, I just think the attitude that you have towards your farm and growing food is so inspirational. And you are just one of my favorite humans that I have had the pleasure to meet over the internet. So thank you for coming on
1: here again
0: to share your story. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me. I feel the exact same way about you.
0: Oh, Fangirling all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a last question for sure. you, and that is: What is the most rewarding part about being a joy farmer for you?
1: Oh man! So I think the most rewarding part for me about being a joy farmer is when I'm out there doing, you know, whatever it is that I'm currently working on, whether it's in the garden or I'm, you know, scraping poop out of the donkey shelter because there's a giant snowstorm coming in and I know that this will make them more comfortable, is I realize that I'm doing something for myself that really honors something that I love to do. And when you take really good care of yourself or you're doing something for yourself, it just makes you feel so good that it makes it easier to like share that joy and share that positivity with other people. When I'm not taking good care of myself, I can struggle. You know, I end up being just a little shorter or snappier with my kids or, you know, I'm not as helpful to my husband when he needs something. But when I'm doing something for myself, like working on my farm, it it feeds me the energy that i need to to be myself and be my best self for everybody else which just creates a really wonderful life i don't know how else to say that it just like everything around me just feels so much better and so much more positive because i've taken that that time for myself to to make a life that i love i guess
0: you said it perfectly That is the definition of joy farming. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Well, for the listeners of the Rural Woman podcast, Bev has offered the patrons of the podcast a very special gift that she also offered her patrons of the show. Do you want to talk a little bit
1: about your planner pages? Oh, yeah, sure. So I actually have the planner and it is still a work in progress. So I've made a few updates to it, but what I'll do is I'll take images of the pages and we will upload them into the Rural Women Podcast Patreon page so that you can take a look at them and you can use them to kind of build a garden planning system that will work for you. You know, my system might be just a little too intensive or look like it has too many steps, but you can take a few of the pages and kind of run with them and make them your own, especially the pages where I planned out the garden. You can see like on those pages, I actually wrote exactly where each plant was going to go, but when it needed to be transplanted in the garden. And I also already looked into it and made sure that I put plants next to each other that were good neighbors. So you can kind of take some of that initial work out of starting a garden out. So hopefully it won't be so overwhelming and you can find some good success in your first year. That is so helpful. And I
0: have looked at these pages and I have taken notes from these pages. So we don't have the spaghetti squash monster occurrence again.
1: <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad to know that they've been helpful.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. They totally have. And thank you again for allowing me to share that with the patrons of the podcast. I really appreciate that. And I know they will too. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, Bev, where can they find you online?
1: So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Ross Roost Farm on Instagram, or you can follow our podcast, which is at Drink and Farm at drinkin' Farm on the Instagram and you can also go to our website, which is www.drinkandfarm.com, and that'll take you to all of the cool info about the podcast and all of the cool things that we're doing over there. You guys are doing so many cool things
0: with the podcast, and I am one of your biggest fans. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you again for coming on the show today, Bev. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at Farmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.